Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, back in better than ever. Greeny, hour number two, presented by Progressive Insurance. Buster Olney will join me in a few minutes on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Just joining me, we had Dan Orlovsky earlier this morning talking a little bit football. Tim Legler on the hoops. I'll start there with just a couple of thoughts on the NBA playoffs. A lot still to do today. What a busy time in sports, really terrific time in sports. As we went through March, April, May, I kept thinking as I was sitting in there on television every single day how great it would be when all these games are being played again. And I will admit, I'm giddy. I love it all. I understand we're living through extraordinarily complicated times, and I'm not in any way conflating the two. But sports have provided for me exactly the respite that I felt like I needed. And I I wonder if they have for you, and I hope they have for you, even though the subjects we're talking about are incredibly important and much more important than the games. And the circumstances in which we're living are obviously very complicated. But I'm enjoying watching this stuff, and I'm enjoying allowing my mind to go to places like the Rockets are done. One way or another, they are done. This incarnation of this group that we have been watching, I think I spent the entire pre-pandemic NBA season speculating on whether or not small ball was going to be something of the future in the NBA. Well, small ball is looking really bad right now. You trade Chris Paul to Oklahoma City for Russell Westbrook, the world leaves him and them for dead, then they come in and they beat you in the first round? Take you even just taking them seven games. Looks bad. And I asked Legler this, this earlier in the show, Does this come back on Harden? And the inescapable answer is yes. James Harden is is in his own way like a prisoner of how good he is, which is to say you can't be that good and not win games at this time of year. That's not allowed. We don't allow that of our NBA superstars. It is the sport where the one guy is supposed to be able to lift you. I'm not saying he has to win the championship. You can't lose this round. can't lose this series. I have great respect for CP3 and Billy Donovan and everyone over there. But you can't lose this series. So to me, there is everything in the world riding on this from a Houston standpoint. But regardless of who wins that game seven tomorrow night, they have no chance against the Lakers. None. The Nuggets, if they win tonight, I think have a chance to make it interesting with the Clippers. The Nuggets are, they've got a ton of good players. The Nuggets have more good players. No one pays attention to them at all. Because they have very little history, very little tradition. It's a football city. Everyone, when you think of Denver, you think of the Broncos, you think of Elway. But I'm telling you, the Nuggets, to me, are really good. And if the kid Porter winds up being healthy long-term, they could be one of the teams to pay attention to in the future. I think the Clippers will wind up getting out of there. And I think it'll be Lakers-Clippers, as we've expected all year long. But of the four teams that are playing in Game 7s, the one I would give the best chance to continue to advance past this would be Denver. In the East, I've been telling you since the beginning of the season, since the minute they got Kemba, the Celtics are going to the finals. And nothing has changed my mind. I wavered a little when Gordon Hayward got hurt. But I love that team. I love they got great young players. They have an excellent coach. Celtics are going to win that series. And the Heat are going to beat Milwaukee. Lots of people have been saying that for a while. Uh, David Jacoby said it on my TV show a while ago. Tim Legler said it on my TV show last week. It's going to happen because the Bucks have a fatal flaw. And that is that while Giannis is a deserving MVP and is as brilliant as any player in the NBA and can absolutely be the centerpiece of championship teams going forward, what he isn't is Luka Doncic. What he isn't is LeBron James. 
He cannot be the guy you just give him the ball, let him bring it up, create his own shot, create his own offense, and run your team that way. And that's what they seem to want to do. And that's why they looked so bad in close fourth quarters against Toronto last year. And it's why I've been picking against them all year long. And they look exactly the same. They have no idea where they want to go for a bucket in the fourth quarter of a close game. They don't play close games. These guys, they're never one on their team who played more than 31 minutes a game because they're blowing everybody out because they're a great defensive team and they play hard every single night and they're led by a magnificent player with a great motor in Giannis. I'm not taking anything away from him. It's the opposite. He's sensational. But you need the right pieces around him and I think they're missing at least one. So I think they're going out here. So I think you will have Boston and Miami on one side, Lakers and Clippers on the other. We'll see where all that winds up, but that would be my expectation. I picked Lakers-Celtics to be in the finals before the season began. I'll stay with it. We'll get to some football here, and it's that time of year. The NFL is nine days. You know, I think that that, that the rhythm of the offseason is something that all of us who follow sports closely become very accustomed to. So I think a lot of football fans, if you're like me, I work in the business. But even I sometimes have to remind myself, there's no preseason this year. These games that matter start a week from Thursday. Nine nights from right now, the Chiefs and the Texans are kicking off the NFL's regular season. You can play ESPN Fantasy Football. You should draft your team, compete with your friends, take home the crown, sign up at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. You can do that today. Lots of football I want to get to. I've been, I've been promising one thing that I would, I would um, get to this morning, and I will here in just a second. But if you were with me before the break, a caller asked me about Dak versus Darnold. And I know why he was doing it. I assumed when Nuno was producing the show, told me why he, what he wanted to talk about. I assumed he wanted to bust my chops because I said last year that I would take Darnold over Dak. But he wasn't. He seemed to be asking a genuine question. And here's what I would say. If they were both lumps of clay and I could mold them into whatever I wanted them to be, I would take Darnold. But right now, you'd have to be crazy not to take Dak because for all of the complaining that we do about the Cowboys and their coaching and everything else regularly, they've done a terrific job of developing him. Terrific. That's a fourth-round pick who no one saw coming. No one. Anyone who tells you they knew Dak Prescott was going to be a great NFL player, you should immediately dismiss anything they ever tell you again because they're not telling you the truth. Darnold, meanwhile, teams were using the expression suck for Sam forever ago. So everyone saw him coming since high school. But what's unfortunately happening, I I tweeted a story today that Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN New York and for us on, on TV, that he posted about how the Jets are basically punting on a season. They're making similar moves to what the Jaguars are making. Trading away Jamal Adams, building up draft picks, all the rest of that, which is fine. If you don't think you're close to winning, then that's fine. Building gradually is fine. It's not that that part of it. They're not tanking. But the problem I have with it is that the most important thing you can do in the NFL right now is develop a great quarterback. Just ask the fans in Kansas City how they feel. Now, Patrick Mahomes is gifted beyond anyone's wildest imagination, but he also entered the best circumstance I've ever seen a young quarterback have. He didn't have to play immediately. He got drafted by a team with extraordinary talent around him, and he's got 
a coach in Andy Reid who is legendary for developing quarterbacks, going back to when he was the quarterback's coach for Brett Favre in Green Bay 30 years ago. He has the perfect circumstance. It was the perfect storm. Sometimes the perfect storm can be of positive things. Patrick Mahomes is what happens when you get everything right and the person in the middle of it is the right person. I believe Sam Darnold could have been that person, but he's an example starting to look like an example of what happens when you put everything around him wrong, and that's what I'm worried about. So the Jets, while they are busy not putting together a season in which they think they're going to win anything, also have not given him the tools that you need to develop a young quarterback, and that's my extraordinary concern. Look at every team in the NFL, and they can be broken up into three categories. They have a quarterback that they can win a championship with. They're trying to find a quarterback they can win a championship with. Or they're trying to develop a quarterback they can win a championship with. If you're not in one of those three categories, you don't have a clue. You can basically break down every team in the NFL into those. And that brings us to Baltimore. We had an outstanding conversation this morning about whether or not it is sustainable for Lamar Jackson to continue to do what he's doing. Last year, he was the runaway Unanimous choice for MVP, and I loved every second of it because I loved seeing him prove so many people wrong. In fact, he made so many people look bad. It has been my contention that a lot of them are still not willing to believe what their eyes are seeing with him because he has made them look so bad. That said, he gets hit a lot. They call designed runs. Everyone needs to understand if you don't watch a lot of them play, there's a big difference between Aaron Rodgers deciding to tuck it and run, which he can do with the best of them, and the Ravens playing 11-on-11 football and calling designed run plays for their quarterback. I think he was the sixth leading rusher in the sport last year. Over the last two seasons, he's rushed for more yards than Saquon Barkley. So is that sustainable with a quarterback? I asked my man Marcus Spears that question this morning. Here's what he said. Every team in the league is going to be trying to stop Lamar Jackson from running. And you know what that's going to mean? We going to take our shots at getting Lamar Jackson on the ground. That's my point. So keep the design runs. Keep doing all of that. Just make sure you don't do them too much. Because if you lose him, you ain't got to worry about the next five years. You got to worry about a job. It's a really interesting way of looking at it. Because there's two separate questions about Lamar Jackson. One of them is... The style that he plays, can you win a championship that way? People are dying to look at the two playoff games they've lost and use that to assume he can't win or they can't win or it cannot be done that way. That's not true. Not true. And I will point that again as an example. Peyton Manning, when he was 26 years old, lost a playoff game to the Jets 41 to nothing, made him 0-3 in his playoff career. He turned out okay. Lamar Jackson is three years younger than that. Hasn't even started two full seasons. I'm not worried about that style not translating in the postseason. I am worried about him getting hit as much and as often as he does. Because anyone who's not worried about that is lying to themselves. So I think in the long term, the long run, you do want to start calling fewer designed runs for him because you just want him to get hit less. But I'm trying to win a championship at my best. Championships are few and far between in sports. The Ravens have won two of them, bookending around the Ray Lewis years. Outstanding. Those were defense teams, defensive-led teams. Can they do it now with a team that last year had the most efficient offense in something like 50 years in the NFL? 
only if Lamar Jackson keeps playing the way he's playing. That's the only way they can do it. That's the only way they can win right now. They've built their entire offense around that. They've developed him brilliantly because rather than try and make him into something that most other quarterbacks are, they've said, this guy can do things no one else can do. Let's let him do that. So for the time being, you keep doing that. You try and win a championship. And then slowly but surely, maybe you start transitioning in a different direction. And in the interim, every time he gets hit, you hold your breath and you just hope that he gets up. Because as long as he's in one piece, you absolutely have a chance to win a championship. All right, before I bring Buster into the conversation, I want to mention that I have a new show. I am hosting show, which is still new. But I also have a new show called Better Days. And it's about gambling. And it is going to premiere on ESPN Plus this Thursday. You can stream new episodes every week starting this Thursday on ESPN Plus. And they are about these epic betting stories. They're about crazy Sports betting stories gone wrong. Some of them gone very, very right. Some of them gone hilariously wrong. I really enjoyed shooting it. They're really interesting episodes. And if you, like I, am fascinated by the psychology involved in sports gambling and well beyond, especially now in an era where it is legal and a lot more socially acceptable than it has ever been, I think you'll like the show. It's called Better Days, B-E-T-T-O-R. And the new episode, the first episode will stream this Thursday on ESPN Plus, And then there'll be a new episode each of the following four weeks, Better Days. I hope you will check it out. Meanwhile, my day is always better when I can talk baseball with Robert Stanberry Olney III. Is he standing by with me, Robert? Are you there on the Shell Pennzoil performance line? Greeny, I'm here for you. How are you? I am terrific, as always. And so here is my First and primary question to you with baseball's trade deadline come and gone in the midst of this season, unlike any other. Did anybody win the World Series yesterday? No, no one won a World Series, but I I do believe this. The San Diego Padres, with all the moves they made over the weekend, you know, adding eight different players, they did, I think, move closer to being a threat to the Dodgers, who clearly are, you know, not only the best team in the National League, but the best team in baseball. The Padres closed the gap with the addition of Mike Clevenger. Yeah, well, they've got him now. Of course, he had the controversial situation in Cleveland, um, but he's a terrific pitcher, and he goes out there, and they have Tatis and everybody else. So nobody necessarily won it. Did anyone blow it? Did anyone not make a move they desperately need to or needed to and thus will now not win the World Series? The biggest surprise to me was that the Atlanta Braves – uh, leading the National League East did not add a starting pitcher. You know, they had conversations with the Indians about Clevenger. They had conversations with the Rangers about Lance Lynn, um, other starting pitchers, Taiwan Walker. But in the end, the Braves felt like, you know what, the asking prices are too great. Uh, and going into or coming out of the trade deadline, they had the 26th uh, worst uh, ERA for starting pitching in baseball. They ranked 26, 5.53. And the amazing thing about that number is, is that Max Fried, their number one starter, is having an incredible year. So without Max Fried, it's a total disaster, and they did not add a starter. They're banking, I think, that uh, Ian Anderson, who was so impressive in his debut last week against the Yankees, will be someone who'll be a wild card for them down the stretch. But that surprised me. Buster and Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, so this year, and one of the things that I knew would be a factor in this trade deadline was that all of these extra teams are going to make the playoffs. So 
it isn't imperative to try and win the division the way it might be in other years. It, is, it wasn't imperative to sell players off when you still have a chance, as it was in other years. I genuinely like that. I think um, I've never, you know, that it, we've had this conversation before. I've never loved it when teams throw up a white flag in the middle of a season. So all that part of it is good. That said, it looks to me like they're going to make it, right? You and I had a lot of conversations through June through July, at the beginning, when teams were shutting things down. First it was the Marlins, then it was the Cardinals. And it looked for a while like a lot of people were saying, you know what, they're just not going to make it. Buster, here we are now. We've turned the calendar to September. Are they going to make it? Absolutely. I think unless there is, and this has always been, you know, the the wild card, uh, you know, the, the Russian roulette situation, if a player of prominence, a person of prominence got really sick or, God forbid, worse, uh, I think that, yeah, they're plowing ahead. Damn the torpedoes, full steam ahead. Um, you know, I, at the beginning of the summer camp, I talked with so many executives at the team level who were saying this is a disaster. It's never going to work out. And I had one really smart GM, and I've, I've mentioned this to him three or four times since. I said, you had the perfect read on it, that once the season started, the Major League, Major League Baseball, the owners, running a business, saw the pot of gold in the postseason, and they are plowing ahead. And, yes, you know, we've had some teams uh, have outbreaks. We've had multiple teams have outbreaks. We've had the social justice postponements last week, and they are moving ahead. And at the end of the year, they're not going to play an equal number of games. As long as they get into the postseason and start that tournament, I, I think that, uh, you know, that that's at this point is something that's all but assured. I, I think so, too. And I think it's a very good sign for pro football and for the, the leagues in college football that are still planning to play, which is you're going to hit bumps in the road with this. Again, I, I don't mean to diminish it. It sounds like, like I'm taking lightly what is obviously a very serious situation with the coronavirus. But the point is you're going to have games that can't get played. You're going to have perhaps a week that you cannot play. But what you will do is you will pick it up when you can. You will schedule it however best you can, and you will just keep going. That's what they've done in baseball, and I would guess that is going to be the formula for all of the sports that follow until we find our way to the other end of this thing. Does that make sense to you, Buster? A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think baseball and how it's played, um, you know, how the Major League Baseball has handled it, you know, they've gotten a hand on this thing now. If uh, as we saw over the weekend, uh, there was a positive test in the Oakland organization, so they shut the team down, they isolate, they hold them out until they have, a, you know, several days of, of negative tests and then they resume workouts and they move ahead. And I suspect that that might be the case in the NFL. There might be a situation where they lose a game or, or you know, lose a game off the schedule or two games off the schedule. They'll figure it out. Everyone knows this is an outlier year. This is the year of the coronavirus. And so if one you know, team plays 55 games, one team plays 50 games, if there's some kind of a pause for something, everyone understands. And they're just trying to get to the finish line even if they're beaten up when they, when they get there. Buster, only with me. Very quickly, Buster, am I told you have a story about Bryce Harper? Yeah, he saved our broadcast on Sunday night. We talk all the time about uh, the uh, you know, inaccessibility of baseball players. Let me tell you something. Uh, he was so great and so generous to us. On Saturday, Reese Hopkins became, as far as I know, the first player to wear a microphone and an earpiece during a regular season game. And then on Sunday, we got word that Bryce would do that for us. And Greeny, you know, behind the scenes, there are days when everything goes wrong te- technologically. That's exactly what happened to us. There are problems about getting him the earpiece. He 
worked through it to the point he banged in the outfield wall. His earpiece dropped. He found the earpiece during the game. He's telling our techs, hey, I found it. He was with us the entire game. He deserves so much credit, and people should know how hard he worked. He gets it. He understands how much better the product is if we hear from players during the game. Uh, and I hope that a lot of other players understand what an effort he made. I think that's great. And I'm glad that you told that story. And I think athletes everywhere who have an interest in growing the sport they play, and I say this of golfers all the time, as you know, that's the sport I spend so much of my time watching. The next level of bringing these sports to fans on television is talking to them, is, is, is legitimately letting them hear from you as you are playing. And there, there are some sports you just can't do it. Obviously, basketball, you can't do it. But in baseball, these guys can do it. And in golf, they can do it. And I think it's terrific that they will. Will we see more of that, Buster? I, I absolutely think so. Bryce Harper agreed because the week before we'd had Freddie Freeman was mic'd up and the sound was so awesome that Bryce went to the Phillies and said, hey, I'll do the first five innings. But as we were having the technology issues, as they say, he literally was communicating with the people in the truck during the broadcast as we're sorting through our issues. And in a game in which there were over 400 pitches, it was 10 nothing in the second inning, the Phillies fell way behind, and yet Bryce was like, nope, I'm good, I'll keep doing this. And it stayed throughout the game. It was not. Uh, it was something I'd never seen before in baseball. And you're talking about one of the great superstars of the game, and he was so generous and so uh, you know gracious with his time. It was unbelievable, and I think it's because he understands it's his product. Good for him, and good for you for telling that. Good to see you, Buster. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Greeny. That's Buster only with me here. I'm Greeny. We're on ESPN Radio. Coming up next, I just saw a tweet that I legitimately cannot believe. I have no idea what to make of it. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. 
Every once in a while, you don't really know what to say. Here's one of those times. A tweet two hours ago from the President of the United States had a very productive conversation with Kevin Warren, Commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, about immediately starting up Big Ten football. Would be good, great for everyone, players, fans, country, on the one-yard line. He says on the one-yard line, which implies that this is something that is very close to happening. The Big Ten released a statement, and I'm reading this on the Twitter feed of our Adam Rittenberg, who covers college football. A White House representative reached out to Big Ten Conference Commissioner Kevin Warren on Monday, which is yesterday, to facilitate a phone call between President Trump and Commissioner Warren. On Tuesday, Commissioner Warren and the president had a productive conversation. The Big Ten Conference and its Return to Competition Task Force, on behalf of the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors, are exhausting every resource to help student-athletes get back to playing the sports they love at the appropriate time in the safest and healthiest possible way. In other words, nothing. That statement says nothing. That they have a task force, which they already have, that the presidents and chancellors are exhausting every resource to figure out when they can start playing again as soon as possible, which they were obviously doing anyway. So they've said nothing. The president has said it is on the one-yard line. I don't know exactly what to make of that. I really have no idea what to do with that. I don't even know what I'm rooting for. If you know me, you know that I'm a Big Ten person. I went to college in the Big Ten. I went to Northwestern. I'm very close to the school I love it there. My daughter is a student there. My wife went there. Um, and, um, and, and as a consequence of having gone to Northwestern, particularly at a time when our football team and our men's basketball team were not good, which was in the 80s, um, I have also always rooted for the Big Ten going forward. So I've spent for the last 35 years, I root for Ohio State in bowl games and I root for Michigan State in the Final Four and all that stuff because in the absence of any other connection to anything, I tend to root for the Big Ten. So I've been very into this, the Big Ten's decision not to play. I notice the Pac-12 seems not to be a part of this conversation. And I don't really know what to make of that either. But what I will say is, I have no idea what the right thing is to do. I just talked to Buster, if you were with me, 10 minutes ago about how what baseball clearly, their strategy is go forward. Just keep going. You're going to have positive tests. You're going to have players have to shut it down at one time or another. You're going to have some games missed. You're going to have to rearrange your schedule. You're not going to have a perfect season. Buster said it well. This is always going to be the season of the coronavirus, no matter what happens. You may not wind up with everyone playing the same number of games, but you have to adopt the strategy. If playing is your, is your, is your stated purpose, if that's incredibly important to you and you decide that it is worth whatever risk exists out there to do it, and I'm not capable of telling you what that risk is and you should not listen to my opinion on it because what the heck do i know i'm a sports announcer there are people whose lives are built around knowing the answers to questions about viruses i'm not one of them we should listen to them not to me so i don't know if they should be playing or not i don't know if the sec has it right or the big 10 has it right i have no way of knowing and i don't know if the sec will ultimately play or not But Buster and I just had this conversation. I think they will. 
And I think they will go through to the end of it, and they will miss some games, and not everyone will play the same number of games. And in the end, they will walk away from it saying it was better to play something than to play nothing. And if nothing terrible happens to anyone's health, then they will have been right. And God forbid something really terrible does happen, then they will have been terribly wrong. And I suppose your level of willingness to take that risk is what decides how you view this. But I don't think the Big Ten is coming back to play. Again, the president is saying we're on the one-yard line. I don't know exactly what he means that to mean. But the Big Ten statement doesn't sound anything like that. We are exhausting every resource to help student-athletes get back to playing the sports they love at the appropriate time in the safest and healthiest way possible. Does not sound like the one-yard line. That's not in the red zone. They're, they're, not, they're not at midfield. They, they just received the kickoff and... They're on their own 20, and, and they're, you know, it's first and 10. They're just starting. Now, I don't have any reason to think that anything other than that is the case, unless someone tells me something otherwise. But the point of it is, you, they released yesterday, the Big Ten did, an acknowledgement that there was a vote and that three of the schools wanted to play. Iowa wanted to play. Ohio State wanted to play. Nebraska no secret, wanted to play. They've let everybody know they want to play. The governor of Nebraska weighed in yesterday and said they should be allowed to play and that the Big Ten got this wrong. I have said all along that in the absence of some definitive proof that playing is dangerous, that they, that they absolutely shouldn't, and that the other conferences have it dead wrong, that there isn't any obvious reason to me why if Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State want to play, and the other schools don't, that they shouldn't be allowed to this one year. That shouldn't jeopardize their standing in the conference. If they want to play, I, they can play. Let them play whoever else is playing. They'll reform next year, as, as we just said with Buster. It will forever be the year of the coronavirus anyway. Rules don't apply. If Ohio State wants to play, if the players want to play, and if it is deemed by someone who knows what they're talking about safe enough to do it, then they should be able to do it even if Penn State isn't, even if Minnesota isn't. That doesn't seem to me as though it should be the deciding factor. The health of the players and everyone else around them should be first, last, and everywhere in the middle as far as making this decision. If it is safe enough for them to play, then it doesn't seem to me that the 11 who aren't should be any impediment to the three schools who are playing. But to circle it back to the beginning of this conversation, it does not sound to me like the Big Ten thinks they are on the one-yard line of coming back and getting the game started again. Last week, there was some talk about Thanksgiving. Maybe that'll happen, but that's still a long way away. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial is proud to partner with the small business experts at SCORE, access free online resources through the SCORE Small Business Resilience Hub at SCORE. Dot org. A lot going on today, including a guy who wants more money, and frankly, I think he should get it. It's a fascinating story, and I'll tell it to you next. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists. Like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio and on TV with you on ESPN News as we wrap up for today with a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating stat brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And here we go with the Game 7 tonight between Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. And I don't necessarily just mean between the Nuggets and the Jazz, but between those two guys. They have put on, over the last three games, the best show in NBA history. The fascinating stat is that they have scored between them 267 points in the last three games. That's an average of 89 points per game, which is the most by any two opponents in any three-game stretch in the entire history of the NBA. Not only is it the most, but I can get even better. The record that it breaks, the previous high, was held by Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley in a three-game stretch in the NBA Finals of 1993. That is today's fascinating stat brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Also want to remind you, you can stream Our Time, the new series on ESPN+, Plus, with an all-access look at Oklahoma State football as they reopen campus, deal with COVID, and an investigation of head coach Mike Gundy. Stream new episodes every Thursday only on ESPN+. Plus. I saw this story over the weekend. I didn't get to it yesterday because we were pretty much wall-to-wall with with coverage of the passing of the legendary John Thompson. But the story that's going on with Jason Peters in Philadelphia, I find very interesting. I'd like to get full details on it. But essentially, in a nutshell, it is this. He's a guy who was one of the best tackles in football for years. He was basically stepping away. His old, his career was over. They had an injury in camp at guard. So they signed Jason Peters to a contract to come back and play guard for them. I think his salary is like $1.8 million. Then they had an injury at tackle, and they want to move him back to tackle, and his basic position on it seems to be, if you wanted me to play tackle, you wouldn't have paid me this little money. You want me to go play over there? We're going to have to have a new conversation about salary. And I was thinking about that the other day when I first saw that story, and I thought, that's really interesting because there's a part of me that thinks, once you're on the team, your job is to do whatever it takes. There's no, your job, if they, if they ask you to run down on kickoff, your job, when you sign a contract with an NFL team, might as well be to, to agree to do whatever it is the coaching staff feels enables me to help the team win however best they see fit. That's the job description. But if he feels as though this is something he would never have agreed to do had he, at this salary, had he known this was on the list of options. You can say that's his own fault for signing it in the first place. 
Or you can say, you know what, he sort of has a point. One way or another, I found it a very interesting story. Guys, let's, let's go get the, the latest on that tomorrow. I, I'd like to just find out sort of where that goes and how it got there. And I just find the whole thing very interesting, to be honest with you, because I sort of see both sides of that argument. I'm curious to know what you think. And speaking of what you think, my ESPN uh, Greeny, at ESPN Greeny, my poll has closed. My question with a hat tip to my friend Kendrick Perkins was, which is the best NBA duo since Shaq and Kobe? He said he thinks LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the best duo since Shaq and Kobe. They finished third in my voting. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry finished first. They got a majority of the votes. They got over 50% of the votes. I don't agree. And the problem with having conversations like this is it always sounds like you're diminishing the people you're arguing against. I'm not diminishing Kevin Durant. I think he is the second best player of his generation. Trouble is, LeBron James is the first. I'm not diminishing Steph Curry. He is, he is a person who changed the game forever. He is a fully deserving two-time MVP, three-time champion, and maybe the most beloved player in the world in his sport. But I think, all other things being equal, if you told me I could have LeBron and AD or KD and Steph... I would go with the pair they have in Los Angeles right now. Now, they have a whole lot of work to do before you can start saying they've accomplished what these others have. KD and Steph were on an almost unfair team. I feel like that whole thing got skewed when they won 73 games and KD went there. I don't know how to quantify that because it wasn't just the two. That was a team with Clay Thompson and with Draymond Green and all the rest of that group. Nobody was beating them. LeBron and D. Wade, they put that thing together down there in Miami. Brought in Chris Bosh, won two titles doing it. LeBron and Kyrie, had it not been for Kevin Durant signing with Golden State, LeBron and Kyrie may have stayed together, and who knows how many rings those guys would have now. I think that had a chance to be an extraordinary combination. I'm just not sure their personalities were going to work. I think that LeBron and Anthony Davis have exactly the right fit. They are in exactly the right places in their career. Because they are both in a place where all they really care about is winning. Because LeBron is at the end, and Anthony Davis has never done it. LeBron knows that every chance he doesn't take advantage of to win a championship is maybe the last one gone. So there's a level of desperation to his psyche right now, I would think. And that's a good place for a player to be if you're trying to win. Anthony Davis is a championship away from being an all-time great. But he has to win one or he'll never be. He will always be a guy who hasn't accomplished what he should. So I think he's desperate to win. So you have two guys who are desperate to win. That's a good combination because it means they will, whatever they have to sublimate to make it work, I believe they'll be willing to do. So I think LeBron and AD are going to win the championship. And to me, I agree with Kendrick Perkins. They're the best duo the NBA has seen since Shaq and Kobe were together. One way or another, thank you for voting. Thank you for being here with me today. I'll see you back here same time, same place, and I'll see you tomorrow morning for Get Up on ESPN. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.